0: Welcome to the legal merry-go-round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face: brushes with the police, oh boy; family disputes, oh no; An injury and in accident situations, ouch. And now, here's Paul.
1: And we are back today. It is Marital Mondays. I hope that you had a nice weekend. Today on Marital Mondays, we are going to talk, what is this we? I don't know why I keep saying we. I am going to talk about the difference and the ups and the downs of no fault and fault based divorces. Yes, okay, well, we walked down the aisle, and it didn't work out, so now we want to separate and become legally unmarried. And the states across the United States have different ways we can do this. There are no fault and fault, and some states have both. There are 17 states, which are what we call true no-fault states, meaning that's the only way you can get a divorce the concept is very briefly that in a no-fault divorce, um, you have no allegations of blame that this one did this or that one did that. It's just we, uh, we're we done. In a fault-based divorce, of course, there are going to be allegations which must be proven uh, in order to get the legal uh, no-marriage situation uh, resolved And that can have consequences on, among things, money. So, if you are someone looking for a a simple way to get a divorce, and everybody agrees that typically then is called a no-fault divorce, um, it's when the parties to a marriage file for divorce based on, if you will, their inability to get along. There don't have to be any reasons. Uh, Some states call this irreconcilable differences. And others call this irretrievable breakdown of the marriage. They both mean the same thing. The marriage is broken and cannot be fixed. So, today, I'm going to talk about two cases as we always try to give examples. You know, I got to stop saying we. I'm going to start saying I more because there's no other person here, so it's not we. Today, I'm going to give you two examples of cases where the issues of no-fault and fault divorces come into play. I'll set these up and give you the facts as to what happened. Then I'm going to take a short break, as I always do, and then I'm going to come back and give you what happened in these cases and give you a little bit more information about the law as it relates to no-fault and divorce, uh, no-fault and fault divorces, so that you, uh, if you are in this situation, unfortunately, where uh, it just didn't work out, You might understand some of your options. Hopefully, it'll be something that will not be too devastating emotionally or financially for anybody. The first case is actually almost humorous, but it's not so humorous, I guess, in the world in which we live. Uh, I I need to just give a little background first. Most no fault divorces have a requirement of, uh, among others, Of a separation a physical separation for a period of time some states require a physical separation of six months some require 12 months you'd need to look uh, through the the statutes and the laws and ask a divorce lawyer in your state perhaps Uh, but nonetheless the separation period uh, must uh, take place you can't um, ask for a no-fault divorce uh, unless certain circumstances exist because perhaps of finances, you have to live in the same ho- same home, but they require a physical separation and not what's called cohabiting. Uh, you're not holding yourself out for a certain fixed period of time, a minimum period of time, uh, not holding yourself out as husband and wife. So this, this case, now that you understand at least one of the requirements, this case was was all actually a little bit humorous. The couple married in 2006 and then separated in 2010. The husband moved out because the wife had gotten a protective order against him. Uh, He filed a complaint for divorce claiming voluntary uh, separation and constructive desertion, meaning that she forced him out. When the protective order expired, they continued to maintain separate residences. Now, while the divorce proceedings were pending, the couple started, in a manner of speaking, a sexual relationship. During the proceedings, the husband testified that the last time he had sex with the wife was in 2011, and after that, he had not spent even one night with her. Now, here's the fun part. Even though the husband admitted that he and the wife kept communicating Uh, Through telephone conversations and text messages, he admits that the conversations were often explicit or sexually provocative. Very interesting. We will call this, as I'm sure you have already guessed, phone sex. Now, the wife asserted that they had cohabited and had sex. The court heard the testimony on the issue as to whether the husband could establish grounds for divorce. Uh, in line with the definition that they were apart and had not cohabited, the the case uh, came down to what is the definition of separate and apart and cohabitation. The time period had clearly uh, elapsed. In this state, it was twelve months where they uh, husband was alleging, you know, yes, they'd been separate and apart and had not cohabited for more than twelve months. The wife uh, is the one who says, well, no, because we were having phone sex. So, the question becomes whether or not phone sex um, kills the concept of not cohabiting. Does phone sex mean you're together? Hmm, we're going to find out. Now, there's another case I want to talk about. And this is, again, a very interesting concept, because what if... One party wants a divorce and the other party doesn't oppose it, may or may not you know, agree to the divorce, but just says, ugh, do whatever you want. And then that party says, and you know what, I'm not even going to participate. You go and just do whatever you need to do. Well, that's exactly what happened in a case involving two Chinese people who had gotten married and they actually had two children uh, living in Maryland in the United States. And at some point, the marriage breaks down, and the father, uh, the husband, says, this marriage is over, uh, I'm taking the kids, and I'm moving back to China. And the wife is, well, do whatever you want to do. I'm, you know, I disagree, I don't care, whatever it is. It's not in the record that I'm able to read, I'm just surmising. But she does nothing. So five years pass, And the husband now comes back to the United States, to Maryland, and files all the appropriate papers to get a divorce. And the wife is still non-compliant, as if she's just not there in a manner of speaking. But he has done all the things he needs to do to file properly to get a no-fault divorce. He has a sheriff, which is required, uh, serve the divorce papers on the wife. You can't just file divorce without the other person at least knowing about it. The the process the husband filed was exactly proper. He did exactly what he needed to do. The wife was advised by service, again, by a sheriff. They take the papers and says, here you go, read them, read them or weep. at the appropriate point in time after the process had begun, the husband moved for a default. The wife didn't answer the complaint of divorce. She didn't say yes, she didn't say no, it was just you know radio silence, if you will. So the husband gets a default judgment of divorce and now his divorce is final. The judgment also awarded him child support and a monetary award of $121,000. Even after the default judgment, the sheriff went out and served the wife again, giving her notice that she had 30 days to ask for a reversal or to appeal the final judgment. Again, she did nothing. Well, okay, so we're going to come back after the break. I'm going to come back after the break. I got to get rid of that habit using the word we. I'm going to come back after the break and share the results of these two cases with you and give you a bit more information. While you're listening to this break, uh, I do want you to remember that I can be a referral source for you anywhere in the United States for a divorce or domestic relations matter, if that is something that you're facing or looking at. So feel free to call me, it's an absolutely free referral. See you soon right after the break. <coughs> So, I am going to get to the break in just a moment, but I wanted to share this with you. This is a story about way too much money. Herbert files a lawsuit charging Denise with breach of contract. Herbert says that Denise hired him to find a buyer for her music business and to manage her fortune, which was in excess of $200 million. So, after cutting Denise's annual expenses by eight million, huh? A mere eight million, right? Including, you ready for these uh, these expenses that he cut for her? Forty thousand for her astrological star aligner, two hundred and ten thousand by reducing her chauffeurs from three to one, and fifty-two thousand dollars for a dog washer, dog walker, excuse me to push two of her dogs around Central Park in a baby carriage and then finding buyers for her business, he claims that she stopped taking his calls and refused to pay his fees. He believes that this was in retaliation for his rejecting her romantic advances. Of course, she denies the accusation and says that it was him who was romantically interested in her. Uh, he also um, commented uh, that she was out of her Looney Tunes mind. She responded to that and she says, I don't sue for sport. I sue for just cause. Uh, he is seeking damages from her of up to $6 million. Dog walkers, $52,000 to push him around in a cart. Whew, wish I had that kind of money. Okay. We're back to the break now.
0: Okay. It's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter? or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So, go to the dot com and now back to the show.
1: I am back. See, I didn't say we, I said I, I am back. To give you more information about no-fault divorce and fault divorce, I want to just share a moment or two of information giving, if I may, and then I'm going to tell you the results of those two cases I talked about in the first half of the show. The pros and cons of no-fault divorce. You know, better or worse, uh, someone makes a decision to file, grounds or the reasons for divorces sought must be established. Now, the grounds might just be irreconcilable differences, and that then leads to what's called a no-fault divorce. Sometimes, though, it's necessary to assign fault uh, one party or the other. Um, Fault uh, fault might be things such as adultery, or domestic abuse, or substance abuse, or my uh, spouse is in jail and is going to be there for the next who knows how many years. Other wrongdoings are often cited. And every state here offers, in the United States, some form of no-fault grounds for divorce. 17, as I mentioned in the top of the show, are known as true no-fault states. And I'll list those before I uh, close for today. Um, Meaning there's no need to cast blame onto the other party. And you can leave the marriage without providing a reason other than, again, irreconcilable differences. Um, I want to share just for a moment, what might be considered pros and cons of a no-fault divorce. No-fault divorces are quicker, they're easier, and they're less expensive than fault divorces. Uh, You'll spend less negative energy and imagine less money as well. Um, Fault divorces, you need witnesses to prove things or videotape, what have you. With a no-fault divorce, there's less conflict, and that certainly leads to less emotional harm. Money, again, settlements are based solely on a spouse's need and ability to pay contributions to the family finances, uh, rather than on the bad things they did to cause the divorce. These things can be addressed in a no-fault divorce separate from the actual severance of the marriage. Now, that might be a good thing or a bad thing, not sure, but the no-fault divorce can empower people, I use the word languishing, in an abusive relationship to leave, particularly because there's no legal obligation to publicly testify about the abuse that occurred. All right, well, let's flip the coin. Cons, the negatives, potential negatives of a no-fault divorce. And here I'm not going to comment my opinion, good or bad, but many in our country, you know, have their beliefs. So, from a moral or a religious standpoint, a no fault divorce has been criticized as being too accessible and that it devalues the marriage vows. Um, it devalues your promise to love and cherish until death do you part. The other thing is that most no fault divorces are unilateral, meaning that. Only one spouse needs to think the marriage is beyond repair, thus taking priority over the other's potential desire to save the marriage. This is a debate that, that goes on, you know, in many, many places and many families across the country. Uh, some claim that, that a no-fault divorce single-handedly is responsible for the breakdown of the American family, while others applaud Uh, the attainability, how easy it is to get, particularly in the face of limited financial resources and awful things such as spousal abuse and and adultery. Whether you agree or disagree that no-fall divorce is morally reprehensible or devastatingly one-sided, or uh, just about the best thing since sliced bread, if you will, the options are there, uh, except um, in 17 states. Um, clearly it's a sad day when you realize your marriage isn't working, but a no-fault divorce very well might be your, uh, your best and only option, again, in 17 states. So let me just run these off real quick. California, Colorado, Florida, Hawaii, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Kentucky, Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, Montana, Nebraska, Nevada, Oregon, Washington State, Wisconsin, And Washington DC so if you're in one of those states you're not going to be in a position to necessarily claim uh, fault grounds those are true no-fault states meaning there's no option to cast blame and couples can only file on no-fault grounds now again that's got nothing to do with property division and all that kind of stuff child support child custody those things have nothing to do with getting the divorce so, I now want to go back to the two cases that I talked about at the top of the show and give you the results of those cases. You recall the first was the uh, the wife who was complaining that uh, we're not divorced because uh, we had phone sex uh, and that that, uh, uh, that means that we weren't truly separate and apart. Well, um, after the case was, was heard by the trial court and the result came down, there was an appeal and the appellate court basically said that separate and apart means that the parties cannot live under the same roof during the requisite period. There is a requirement even if the parties have stopped having sex. The parties must also refrain from sexual relations during that period with the intention of establishing grounds for divorce. The court further explained that cohabitation means more than having sexual relations. It means living together as man and wife, and entails the mutual assumption of the duties and obligations connected with marriage. Occasional electronic communication or phone communication talking about sex, but not involving physical sexual contact, cannot be construed as cohabitation. So the moral of this story, boys and girls, is that if you're getting divorced and you have a compulsion to get on the phone with your ex or your soon-to-be ex, and you have sexual phone play and what have you, uh, that is not going to wreck up the, the potential of you getting divorced. That would be okay. You can have phone sex. Now, you there in the back, uh, I see you taking your hand and wiping it across your forehead, so uh, I know what you're thinking. The second the second case with the Chinese couple, this was a very interesting case because uh, the husband who had moved to China with the children and five years later came back to Maryland and got a divorce and got a final judgment and got a decree indicating that the wife owed him $121,000 in child support, um, the wife participated zero, nothing. She... Uh, had even a 30-day notice uh, to go, come in and contest uh, the finding of the court uh, when the court granted the default judgment and the verdict for the 121000 for the child support. The court, as you might imagine, said, no, I'm sorry, ma'am, uh, too late. You had all the opportunity to be involved in the litigation process of your divorce and uh, d- uh, making decisions about child support, what have you. And you were, you were not here. You knew these things were going on, but you did nothing, so it's too late. The only way a judgment like this could have been reversed is if this woman had given the court proof that her ex, the father and her ex-husband, had impeded her in some way from responding in the case, given that there was no proof even close to that, there was nothing other than that she just simply didn't like the result. Uh, Unfortunately for her, too bad, too late, the judgment stood in favor of the father." Well, this wouldn't be a true legal show if I didn't give you some more information. And I like to do this because I think, I hope, it might be helpful to some who might be listening. The states with no-fault divorce laws have requirements in addition to the irretrievable breakdown of the marriage or irreconcilable differences. The following might be required before filing a no-fault divorce. Now, you've heard me talk about the period of time. Some states, it's six months. Some states, it's 12 months. Some states require only a few months. Uh, Other states require physical separation for sometimes up to two years. Laws are always changing, so I would encourage you to check with an attorney to find out uh, what the laws are in that state. Now, some states also have residency requirements, although a few states don't. The residence requirements are strict, but others allow many different ways to get around it, such as have been having been married in the state. So you can't just go to some state that you'd like, because you might go to look at the wonderful landscapes there, or enjoy the the city or what have you, and say, oh, I'm in this state now, file a divorce. Can't do that necessarily. So again, you need to check with an attorney to make sure that you have the residency requirements. Typically, it would be where you resided as husband and wife or where you've been living now for a certain period of time. The concept of of the um, requirements include at the very least, uh, an allegation that there is an irretrievable breakdown of the marriage. And that could mean simply that you just can't get along for a a, a specific period of time, such as six months. Now, again, not all states have this requirement. We talked about in the second case involving the Chinese couple uh, a moment ago, that the spouse doesn't necessarily have to agree to the divorce, even if the spouse does spouse one of the spouses doesn't agree to a divorce, um, the other can still file for a no-fault divorce. If the spouse fails to to reply or to respond or to show up for court, the court, as I explained to you in the uh, case of the Chinese people, can still grant a a default judgment. Now, I want to talk about fault divorce just for a moment because that's the flip side. That's where there's the nastiness, if you will, the most common grounds for granting a fault divorce are adultery, abandonment for a certain length of time, prison confinement. Uh, physically, un- uh, one of the spouses might be physically unable to have sexual relations, uh, or uh, the other spouse has inflicted emotional or physical pain or harm, cruelty, beating. Um, you know, keeping them in a dungeon. You know, whatever. Another key difference between fault and no-fault divorce is that spouses filing a a fault divorce are not required to live apart for a specific period of time before filing. The ability to prove fault in a divorce case can also lead to a larger distribution of marital property or support to the spouse that was without fault. The two characteristics make a fault divorce more attractive to some people. I'd like to go through a couple of what I'll call defenses, if you will, things that could upset the apple cart for a spouse alleging fault against the other spouse. When both spouses, by the way, seek a fault divorce and can prove that the other spouse was at fault, uh, they're both cheating on each other, the court will decide which one is at least at fault that party will be granted the divorce. This is called comparative rectitude. This doctrine was created to address the problem of courts granting neither party a divorce if they were both at fault. Uh, There is a public policy interest, of course, in not forcing two people to stay married if they don't want to be married. Now, moving past, we're both guilty, if you will, or, or bad people for cheating or you know, causing emotional harm or something, right? Moving past that, there are defenses to divorce. One of them might deny the claims of fault being alleged. A spouse can object to a fault divorce by disproving or presenting a defense to the fault complained of. The following is a list of some of these defenses, okay? Connivance. The word is connivance is an absolute defense to adultery. Connivance alleges that the complaining spouse agreed to and even participated in the adultery or created the opportunity by enticing someone to seduce the spouse. Now, I know a joke, and I'm in the middle of a serious conversation, but I gotta tell you this joke. The woman brings in photos of her husband in bed with another woman. They're both in bed, and you can see they're in the middle of a sexual act. The divorce lawyer looks at these pictures and says, Hmm, this is pretty good proof. Oh, by the way, where did you get these photos? And she says, Well, we were all naked. Okay, you get it. I want to go back to some of the defenses to fault. Condemnation. Condonation is a claim that the other spouse knew about the complained conduct, forgave that conduct, and resumed the marital relationship. This is typically used, again, to defend an adultery accusation. So if your spouse is cheating on you and you know about it and you have a conversation and the, uh, the one spouse that was cheating says, okay, honey, I won't ever do this again, and you say, okay, love and kisses, and then you resume a marital relationship, uh, both in and out of bed, you're not going to be able then to be able to sue for uh, adultery as a fault ground. Recrimination is another defense. It's when the complaining spouse is equally at fault or engaged in similar conduct. For example... If both spouses had affairs, neither one would be able to use adultery as grounds for a fault divorce. And again, in some cases, this isn't always the case. If uh, one of the spouses was carrying on 10, 12 different affairs over the course of three or four or five years, and then as a rebuttal, the the other spouse goes and has just one night stand, um, many courts will grant a divorce on fault against the the party who had all the different affairs over all those years. Provocation is an interesting uh, defense to a fault allegation for divorce. It's where one spouse provoked the other to act in a certain way. As an example, one spouse abuses the other spouse, which forces that other spouse to leave the marital home. The abusive spouse would not be able to then use abandonment as grounds for divorce since it was his or her abuse that caused the other spouse to leave. Now, a fault divorce can take a while. It can be expensive and proof is proof is what it is. There's evidence or there's not. It can be costly, timely, and involves the use of witnesses often. It might be Facebook posts. It might be photographs. If you hired a private investigator to go photograph your spouse, and seeing uh, what that spouse is up to. It might take an accountant to go through uh, checkbooks and and records to prove things. Courts have an interest, of course, in not forcing people to stay married and will usually grant divorces to people who ask, despite defenses given by the other spouse. These reasons that I've gone through typically deter people from attempting defenses. Well, folks, there's a lot more to be said about divorces, uh, it's a sad situation, people, you know, they walk down the aisle, they think everything is going to be great, and unfortunately, it doesn't work out that way. So I wish for you in your life a happiness, uh, I wish for you a life filled with uh, what my wife and I actually call the love of my life, L-O-M-L, we are each other's L O M L. I I got lucky. I found the perfect woman, and I was a divorced man, and she was a divorced woman when we met. So our first spouses were not our lomals. but I wish that for you, and I, I hope that you never have to go through a divorce. It can be emotionally destructive, no matter whether it's fault or no fault. And again, based on your mali- your moral and religious beliefs, uh, no fault may be a good thing, and it may not. But if it is that you find that you're going down that road, uh, I recommend at least two things. The first, of course, and always is to find an attorney and the second is to find a counselor, a therapist, whether it be uh, someone in your religious world or an independent ther- or therapist, there are a lot of marriage counselors, if you will. And you know when a couple approaches a marriage counselor, sometimes it's to try and restore the marriage And sometimes it's with, we're just not going to be able to work through this and we want to get a divorce. Can you help us navigate the emotional uh, issues that lay in front of us? I hope that you have uh, a wonderful couple of days and we will be back on Wednesday with an edition of the Wrongdoer Wednesday show. Thank you for your ear today. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.